Hey everybody, Chris here. You may know us these days as the Personal Injury Mastermind, but you've discovered our roots when we first started as the Rankings Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Over the years and hundreds of episodes, we've expanded our reach while staying true to our mission. We help you and your firm dominate the competition with insights from some of the best in the legal industry. You may notice that these older episodes sound a bit different. That's because we also embrace change and growth. I hope you enjoy this episode from the vaults and listen to a few of our newer episodes while you're at it. Thanks for being here. Let's begin. Frank Ramos isn't your typical lawyer. He grew up in inner city of Chicago in a family with precisely zero attorneys. In fact, none of his relatives had gone to college. His first perception of law and lawyers was formed from the couch on late nights in the mid 80s, watching cop show after cop show. From an early age, I watched a lot of television because it was a very cold city. There wasn't much to do. Uh, watched old Perry Mason episodes, watched other legal related shows. Uh, There's a show particularly which, on, which was on PBS where you had all these trial attorneys talk about their big cases. It was on Sunday nights and kind of captivated me. So from an early age, I was inclined to pursue a career in law. Today we hear how Frank Ramos went from inner city kid to one of LinkedIn's most popular legal writers. Which skill sets the JD will never teach you and where you can go to get help? and why you're never too old to give your dream side hustle a shot. That's coming up on the Rankings Podcast, the show where founders, entrepreneurs, and elite personal injury attorneys share their inspiring stories about what they did to get to the top and what keeps them there. I'm Chris Stryer. Stay with us. Frank's family moved from Chicago down to Miami. There during high school, he started to get an itch for writing in politics. However, being an attorney was something that was always in the back of his mind, particularly when he met the love of his life in college. I majored in political science at Florida International here in Miami, and I had been interested in pursuing a career in campaigning or possibly fiction writing. But I was already engaged, actually. We got, I got married between undergrad and law school. We've been married now, Anna Ramos and myself, to about 26 years. I guess, you know, back then in 1990s, when I graduated from FIU, a career in campaigning wasn't as established as it is now. Now there are different courses and master programs you can join and pursue to get into politics. And back then it was very much at its infancy. And then writing, of course, was a very speculative career. Uh, so law actually seemed to be the safest pursuit. And it was something I considered and thought about since uh, I was a child. So it was natural to just stay here in Miami and go to the University of Miami and graduate with a law degree. Pursuing law didn't quench Frank's insatiable appetite for the written word. He's authored more than 15 books, and he is the king of content on LinkedIn. Clark Silvergate, the firm he's been a part of for an impressive 24 years, didn't just allow Frank to work on his side hustle. They actively encouraged it. Now, there are some businesses that don't want their employees to focus on external goals. However, Clark Silvergate had the foresight to know that allowing their attorneys to follow their passions is the secret to staff retention. It's actually an old joke between a CEO and a CFO, where the CFO asks the CEO, what if we invest in our people and they leave? And the CEO says, what if we don't and they stay? We're a boutique litigation firm here in Miami. There's just about 10 or so of us. And it's always been about that size for the time I've been here. It is very focused on developing its attorneys and developing them not only inside but outside the firm. And I'm involved in a number of organizations outside the firm, and the firm's always been very supportive of that, and I certainly appreciate that and appreciate uh, everything that they've done to help me advance in those organizations. And I think any firm that wants to keep its folks, and really any company, 
they want to sort of nurture and develop and mentor their people and their team and emphasize what they like and enjoy and their passions, both in and outside of the firm. You know, if you have team members that love to write or read, you know, engage them in those sort of aspects. If you have team members who are really into athletics or sports or fitness, you know, engage them in those aspects. You know, meet your team where they're at and support them both inside and outside the organization, and you'll find that they'll remain very loyal. Because the team at Clark Silvergate actively encouraged him to pursue his passion, Frank found a way to use his writing to make him into a better lawyer. In fact, the way he puts it, he turned imposter syndrome into the ultimate growth trajectory. I think every lawyer at some point goes through a period of imposter syndrome, and they're wondering if they're really equipped and qualified to do what we do. And I kind of faced that early on. Uh, my writing was sort of catapulted by that feeling where I was wondering, do I really know what I'm doing? Do I really appreciate the practice? Do I have the skill set? Do I understand how to take a deposition or argue at a hearing or prepare a motion? And so that sort of started my career, my side career, I guess, in writing, where I basically wrote a lot of short articles for local legal publications about the practice and the process of, of law. And so I started writing articles about how to take a deposition or how to argue a motion in state court or how to interview a witness. And it was really more for me than anybody else that I wanted to convince myself that I actually knew what I was doing. And that sort of took off. I did start doing that around 2002, which is about five years out. And it was really sort of had a sort of a crisis of conscience about what I was doing and whether I was equipped to do it well. And ever since then, I've been writing. I've taken some periods off, I think around 2011, I took a couple of years away. And I jumped back in in 2016 with a, a vengeance and been writing a lot ever since. I, I, I write every day on LinkedIn, which is my favorite platform. And I've been writing a number of books and just opened up a new website for young lawyers where I share a lot of my experiences, both good and bad. Uh, I think I take much better deposition now because I've sat down and thought through the process step-by-step step of how to take a deposition, written it down, and I've tried to teach it to younger lawyers. And in the process, I've sort of helped myself in terms of doing much better taking depositions. That's just one example, but I think that's true. You know, if you want to make sure you're doing something well, try teaching somebody else, and you'll see where the deficiencies are and you'll work on those. Earlier, you mentioned LinkedIn, so I, I want to dig right in because you have 50,000 followers as of today on LinkedIn, which is incredible. That's that's substantially higher than the average, especially in the legal vertical. I don't know of another attorney that has 50,000 followers. Let's just, the big overarching things, like what are the things that's helped you achieve success on that platform? I think consistency is the one word I started posting daily, including weekends and holidays back in the fall of 2016. So I've been doing it now for four years and I haven't walked away from the platform. I've been on the platform before. I first joined, I think in 2007 or eight, when it was still in its infancy and people were trying to figure out how it worked. And quite frankly, I didn't really get it or understand it. And I think even then most people didn't really appreciate what to use it for. Uh, but in 2016, I wrote a book called The Associate's Handbook for the Defense Research Institute, which was a free book for young lawyers. Uh, I thought, well, I want to promote it. I want to get it out. So I started including excerpts from it, very short ones on LinkedIn. You know, for folks who aren't familiar, you're limited to 1,300 characters for your posts. And so I would share just a few sentences from the book. And then after a while, I realized, well, I'm not going to do this forever. So I started uh, doing first, more personal posts. I started doing other types of posts that were related to the practice, how-tos, everything from hard and soft skills, 
and at some point committed, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to definitely do this with both feet and jump in and decided I'm going to just do this daily. And I, and I honestly don't think I've missed a day. I, I suppose it's possible. I don't think I've missed a day in the last four years. You, know, you pick a topic that's broad, that allows you to write on for months, if not years, and then you just post on it. And some posts are going to resonate, some won't, some will be great, some will be not so great. But along the way, you're going to pick up a number of followers, people who are really interested in what you have to say, and you develop a voice and develop a, a large footprint on the platform, and people are going to follow you and listen to you and become a thought leader in whatever you're writing on. That's incredible. I think the consistency there is definitely key. The one thing that that I would love to ask, though, is how do you consistently create a new topic every single day? Do you go through a process where you unpack your brain in an editorial calendar type format? What's your process for ideation on LinkedIn? What happens is the more you write, the more you see opportunities for things to write about. And what I recommend for folks who are starting to write daily, whether it's blogging or writing on a platform, is that they keep a journal where they use the app on their phone that allows them to take notes and just keep track of things. And I would say it takes about a month to get into the habit of just having it become second nature and posting regularly. So give yourself a few weeks, give yourself a month and say, well, for a month, I'm going to purposely write something every day. The idea is the hardest part coming up with the idea. Fleshing it out isn't that difficult because, again, you're not writing a full-term article. You're writing 1,300 characters, which is just a few sentences or a couple paragraphs. And often what you find is you're writing something and you have that little red marker come up saying, oh, you've already surpassed your limit. You have to not cut it down. So you have to think in a very concise and thoughtful way and be able to share your ideas in not a simplistic but a simple way. I think these days with all of us with shorter attention spans, it really helps us be able to convey bigger thoughts and fewer words in a more concise manner. And why did you choose LinkedIn? Because, you know, Facebook several years ago had a tremendous amount of organic growth and it's went now to almost a pay to play type situation. And Instagram's came and gone. Why did why did you choose to put all of your efforts or the majority of your efforts into LinkedIn? I think it was my audience. I mean, I think the audience I was trying to reach are found primarily on LinkedIn. And as you mentioned, Facebook has gone through various permutations where it's really hard to grow organically anymore. And it's true for Instagram and Twitter. Those are platforms that are very much geared toward paying to increase your following. And there's certain ways I guess you can manipulate the algorithms, but the, the folks on top have figured it out and they're really kind of put the kibosh on that. But LinkedIn is very much still an organic site. It is very much dependent on the content of its members. It very much needs its members to push out content. And it actually kind of rewards folks. You know, you can do various things on LinkedIn. You can't do it on the platforms and you can grow uh, your followings. If you have a post that is popular among a small group of followings, it gets pushed out to a larger group and then even to a larger group. And it's not uncommon to have a post have 50,000 views, 100,000 views, a quarter million views or more if it really resonates with a smaller group of people. Does LinkedIn really wants to create uh, thought leaders on their platform because that'll attract other people? And at some point that may change. I mean, I think it changed with Facebook and other platforms and, and LinkedIn may be changing at some point. And if that's the case, it's probably made sense to get in on it now and create a following now before it does. Frank makes an excellent point that LinkedIn still has the benefit of growing a true organic following, which certainly means that consistency in content is king. Of course, 
Anyone can fire up posts that are relevant to a certain niche. So why write for early career attorneys? Frank may have started out pinning articles to hone his own skills, but his exponential following really took off when he started coaching and educating others, even those who could potentially become his future competitors. I think in this age, especially in this COVID period, although it's been true before that, a lot of young lawyers don't have strong mentors at their firms. I think there's such a focus on billable hours and generating revenue that firms are spending less and less time mentoring their lawyers. That's not true for all firms. Some firms do an extraordinary job mentoring, but I think there are a lot of lawyers, and I know this because a lot of them reach out to me, who don't have any mentors at all and are basically thrown in the deep end and have to figure out for themselves what to do and how to handle a case, how to deal with clients. That can be very stressful. I mean, our jobs as lawyers is stressful enough, but if you're not given much guidance and if, you're, if you make a mistake, then it's on you. Uh, that can lead to a lot of stress and anxiety that's really not necessary. I try to, the best as I can, be sort of a virtual mentor and through my books and publications and audio and video provide some guidance, at least at the 30,000 foot level and sometimes at a much more basic level on how to you know, do depositions and hearings, how to deal with clients, how to deal with obstetrics, opposing counsel, how to deal with judges, uh, soft and hard skills. A lot of what we need to do as lawyers is to try to do a certain level of confidence and it doesn't come naturally if no one's ever actually taught you that. And confidence and gravitas, and those are actually skills you can learn, uh, which I never realized until I actually got sat down and thought that through. And I think a lot of young lawyers think, well, you know, some people are natural speakers or natural writers, and that may be true for a handful of folks, but I think most of us have to kind of learn that and, and take the time to process those skills. Frank has crafted a distinct voice for himself in the legal world, particularly for young lawyers who, like him, didn't grow up with attorneys in their families to show them how it works. All of Frank's books are available for free download on his site, and he's constantly adding new topics, although he says most lawyers he mentors come to him with the exact same questions. Frank's two most popular books cover two entry-level themes. One is for the new lawyer about the practical nuts and bolts of the industry, and the other is about working out if you're in the right field in the first place. In terms of books, I think for young lawyers, the Associates Handbook is a good book, sort of a soup to nuts about the practice and you know how to prepare and try a case. It's very much geared toward basic skill sets, which I think young lawyers can appreciate. Uh, Go Motivate Yourself is a book that I really enjoyed writing, which is about trying to find and pursue your purpose. The, the website I put together is basically very much a purpose-driven website where I help folks try to figure out what they're supposed to be doing with their lives and how to do it. And that book is geared largely for lawyers, but can be used for other professionals and others as well, where you, know, you try to find where your dreams and your passions and your skills converge. And at that point of convergence, that's generally where you can find your purpose. So the book kind of walks you through a self-evaluation process. And hopefully by the end, you have a much better sense of who you are and what you want to do with your life. Staying there, did have you read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl? Did has that? Uh... Yeah, it's a great, great, powerful book. I think, you know, if, if we can figure out what our why is, we can put up with any type of what or how. And so I think a lot of folks flounder in their lives because they think they know what they're supposed to be doing with their lives, but they really don't because, you know, they pursue the career that their parents wanted them to pursue or society or family or friends. And, and maybe they had a real passion for something else and never took the chance. And it's never too late to like, you know, pursue it even after even if you want to pursue a different field in law or pursue something altogether different, you only have so many 
days and months and years on this planet and it's best to make the most of it. And Frank, when you're not busy doing all your writing, your mentoring, you're practicing the law, when you're not being an attorney, what's what's your day-to-day look like? What what do you like to do when you take time out? Yeah, I read a lot. Um, I probably read more than I probably should. I'm, I read on my phone, so I'm always attached to my phone one way or another. I I, I download a lot of books. About a couple of years ago, I kind of transitioned from hardcover books to ebooks, and I didn't didn't do it very willingly, but I think. I forget which book it was, but some book was coming out and it wasn't available on print. It was so popular. So I downloaded it and thought, oh, this isn't that bad. And so now I find myself reading a lot. I read about also have subscriptions to the New York Times and the Washington Post and some other publications. So I probably shouldn't say this, but I probably read too much, but that's that's probably my biggest hobby when I have some downtime. I'm the same way. One of my, my favorite things to do is to go to Barnes and Noble and just kind of peruse, grab a few books, and I always end up taking a whole stack with me. But I, I need to get into the ebook, the Audible, and and that format because it's just kind of piling up all around me. As the first graduate in his family, Frank's achieved such a great level of success through his hard work and determination, and his influence as a writer and thought leader is only going to continue to grow. Knowing he had two sons, I wondered if he'd been tempted to start the Ramos family firm and get his kids in on the action. No, they were always interested in music from a very early age. My older son, David, is 22 and finishing up Florida State University with a degree in music education and is actually with us down now because of COVID, is interning at a local middle school for their band program. And my younger son, who is a sophomore at the University of Miami, is a jazz performance major, and he's been wanting to do jazz for quite a number of years now. So uh, both of them have always been very musically inclined, very talented. Certainly don't get it from me. I have no musical inclination or skill set whatsoever, but but they're both, you know, they love what they do. And I think the book I wrote, Go Motivate Yourself, was largely inspired by them. I think you have to find what really motivates you, what gets you up in the morning, what you dream about, what inspires you, and you're passionate about and pursue it wholeheartedly. And they love music, and it's easy to say, well, you know, there's not much of a career in music, there's not much money in it, but you know, you, you only get to go around this world once. And if you don't do what you like and you end up doing something that's safe, you're never really going to be happy. I mean, you'll, you'll earn a living, but you won't have a life. I couldn't agree more with that statement. And you mentioned earlier about mentorship. You know, a lot of times law firms are trying to retain their talent would just increase their salary, increase their, it's money, money, money. But I think one of the things that you really highlighted in you and highlighted in your sons is they allowed you to pursue your passions and to continue to continue to grow and, and you're passionate about mentorship and led them to success. No, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, in terms of the confluence, they obviously are very skilled at music. They're very passionate about it. They dreamt about it and they pursued it. And, you know, if they had pursued my career or somebody else's career, they, I don't think they'd be very happy for now. They'd be second guessing themselves and what they're doing with their lives. So you have a ton of accomplishments here, Frank. You, you know, you've been practicing a, a attorney for, for many, many years. You've written several books. You've mentored young attorneys. What does success look like to you? I think success is ultimately paying it forward. I think we get more value from what we give away than what we keep. And I think our legacy is going to be determined by our influence on others versus what we did for ourselves. And, you know, people talk about immortality and living beyond the grave. And I think people who accomplish that are those who thought about others first. And it's easy to say that, but quite frankly, the stuff we buy ourselves, the 
the fancy houses and cars and the big vacations. I guess they're nice, I suppose, but they're not going to make you really happy. And I think you see a lot of folks who are very wealthy, but aren't particularly happy. The pursuit of happiness and finding your true path in life has clearly been a defining theme throughout Frank's career so far. And actually, if truth be told, he'd like to see a lot more attorneys getting involved with mentorship. I think no matter where you are in your career, you can always mentor others. And so even if you're a young lawyer, there's probably a law student that needs your help or somebody in high school. And if you're more senior and you're kind of in the twilight of your career and you're thinking, well, I'm kind of done with things, uh, there are a lot of young lawyers who probably need your direction and your wisdom. So no matter where you are, you know, whether it's in the beginning or the twilight of your career, uh, there's somebody out there that's looking for help and you're more than capable of helping them. I love that. Wherever you are, you can pay it forward in some way. And particularly in our connected world, there are just so many ways to reach people and provide your expertise. So why not write a LinkedIn post this week or create a video for YouTube or even share a podcast episode with someone who needs to hear it? You've been listening to the Rankings Podcast. I'm Chris Dreyer. A big thanks to Frank Ramos for joining us today. You can find all the links from today's conversation in the show notes and be sure to hit subscribe to get future episodes. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.